Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another installment of AMTV Radio. This is the podcast where I'm joined by a very special guest each time, and we talk about, well, whatever the hell we want, quite frankly. And today, I'm joined by one of the rising stars of the Hutu community in 2020. He is a, uh, he's acted, he is a YouTuber, obviously, he's even a TikToker, would you believe? Something way out of my depth. It's Joe Street, or as many of you know him as, the Confused Adipose. Joe, thanks for coming on, how you doing? Um, yeah, I'm great, thanks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me on. It's it's always good to be on like podcasts and stuff, so thanks. Yeah. No, it's not a problem. It's great to, I think 2020 especially helped everyone sort of collaborate a bit more, partly because yeah. we had the option to, but no, it's a pleasure having you on, and obviously, as I said at the start, you're, I guess, mainly known in the WhoTube sphere of things, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I say like rising star, because literally I was looking at like your channel and your videos from the start of 2020 to now, and uh, I, I watched your rewind recently as well. And you've literally yeah. started 2020, if I'm right, you had less than a thousand subscribers, and yeah. now you're well over six thousand. So how has that yeah. been for you? Has it just been a bit like, oh my god, what's happened? Yeah, it was sort of mad, really, because like I've had a YouTube channel since I was about nine and like I've never really done consistent posting or anything but when Spyfall part one aired like this time last year I was like right I'm gonna try and become a Doctor Who YouTuber I'm gonna put out consistent videos and then it just ended up like yeah going the way it did which was yeah it was it was really nice to see and kind of unexpected as well yeah and when when as you say you started with your spy four videos and then going through series 12 and then yeah. once series 12 was done was it sort of at first a bit like ah what do i want to do now or did you already have ideas you were like right i'll, I'll just do this now then to sort of fill yeah. fill the gap i got to the end of series 12 and i did just go like okay hang on <laughs> what am i supposed to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then midway through lockdown i started creating like doctor who theories and like trying to interact with the community in that way and yeah. then it just, yeah, that sort of became what my channel is about. Yeah. Have you got a favourite theory that you've done? Or like a f something that mm. still could stand up that hasn't been debunked or anything? Um, possibly the whole parallel universe theory. It seems to be kind of controversial because I can understand why people wouldn't want it to happen. Because it almost like diminishes what we've had in the series up until this point. But... I still think there is a possibility that the Jodie Whittaker era is in some sort of parallel universe. Ooh, I think that would make a certain corner of the fandom very happy if it was. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the wrong reasons. Well, but... <laughs> sadly enough, yeah. And I mean, we'll we'll dovetail into this quickly, and this is the only disadvantage about pre-recording podcasts, I think. I mean, at the time we are recording this, to those of you listening, last night we had the uh, rumour bombshell, supposedly, yeah. that Jodie Whittaker might be leaving after series 13 and by the there's not a gap between there's not much of a gap between when this is being recorded and when this is coming out but you never know with news do you by the time this comes out it could have been confirmed denied but yeah as it stands um i know like you've uh, talked about it on your channel i've talked about it on mine but where where do you for anyone who hasn't seen that where do you personally stand on these rumors so far because i guess they are rumors they haven't been confirmed yeah. or denied at this point so i'd say i don't I think I'm like sort of 60-40 in believing it. I think there is a strong chance it could be the truth because the person who wrote these articles has been correct on a lot of Doctor Who stuff in the past. But even if it is true, I don't want it to be. And I feel like Jodie and her era deserve a lot longer than they've been given, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've seen that seems to be like quite a big chunk of the response to it. It's yeah. like we all kind of don't want it to be true, but it very well could be. Because, I mean, with less episodes and the bigger gaps, I don't know about you, but it almost feels like Jodie, intentionally or unintentionally, has been a bit short-changed in her era. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I think it's like the reduced episodes, I'd say, are the main problems. Because, like, especially with Series 13, we're only getting eight episodes. Mm. She'll have had nowhere near as many as the other Doctors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would almost be nice if she did Series 13, then maybe a run of specials like Tenet did, even just to bolster yeah. it out just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. No, absolutely. But um, I just thought we'd address that now, because as I say, when we're recording <laughs> this, it's like the biggest yeah. Who news at the minute, and it might not be in a week or so, but it's good to talk about it. But back to yourself and the channel. Now, as I do with all my guests when I get them on, I have a quick look through their content, you know, see what they've made, yeah. what they've made in the past. 
And uh, at first, because I'd seen you on Twitter, you said, oh, I started this year with less than a thousand subs and I've grown. At first, before I had a proper look, I thought, you know, you'd started your channel last year, start of 2020. And so I scrolled <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's more and there's yeah. even more. And oh, what's this? The EastEnders theme on a, on a corner? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all, all I'll ask is because we, you know, we all start somewhere. That's the key thing. Yeah. Like. Um, and f first of all, fair play to you keeping all those older videos up. I think it's always good to just show people like you, this is how you start. But what what made you want to start a YouTube channel all those years ago, whenever it was? So I think it's I've always had a love for like how films and TV are made and what it takes to actually make something like good and like an actual product that an audience would engage with. And ever since, like, I was old enough to sort of use a camera, I'd been shooting my own little, like, film. I used to make, like, Wizard of Oz films, oh, like, nice. when I was a child. And then growing up, like, got into Doctor Who, Doctor Who stuff, really, really bad animations way back in the day. <laughs> but I've just always had that desire to, like, make content and put mm. it out there. And YouTube was the easiest way of doing that. That's it. And, I mean, in those early days, um, did were you ever... Did sort of the system of YouTube ever discourage you? Because obviously, as we all know, it's quite hard to gain any audience now, especially with all the there's so much content out there and so much Doctor Who content as well. I mean, in the beginning and even now, do you do you find the system a bit demoralizing at times or a bit difficult? Or do you just sort of go with the idea, I'm going to make what I want to make and if people watch it, great. And if they don't, whatever. Yeah, it it varies. Like, back in the day, I had one video where I predicted David Bradley returning as the first Doctor, mm. and that overnight got, like, 20k views, which my. was insane. <laughs> like, I, I had no idea why, but then all of my other videos only got, like, 70 views, and it kind of, at the time, it felt like, right, how do I crack the code? How do yeah. I get there? And then, yeah, it's good to finally sort of be in a more consistent run. Like, my views don't just go up and down now. They're sort yeah. of consistent, which is nice. It's a nice point to hit. And I think, in a way, as you say, it is sort of cracking the YouTube game and the algorithm, yeah. which is always a pain. But what I like so about, say, your thumbnails specifically is, I know you joke in the rewind, like, oh, you learn the art of clickbait or whatever. <laughs> but I'd argue from your thumbnails, from some others I see, not just on Doc2, just on YouTube in general, Yours are like enticing thumbnails, but you either discuss what the thumbnail says or do you know what I mean? You don't. It's not one of those yeah. titles where it says like, uh, "Jodie Whittaker leaves." Here's proof, <laughs> and then there's no proof. It's not yeah. like that. So, but yeah, it's that's uh, one of the things I, I always try with because it's all it's not fully clickbait, but there's like an element of it, and I feel like if you are going to put that in a title, you almost have to deliver on yeah. what you say like it can't be something completely obscure and that you don't talk about yeah it's not like one of those videos where again the thumbnail is one thing and the, li the video literally <laughs> yeah. starts by saying yeah that was just to get you a click and now we're going to talk about this but and yeah. on your channel i noticed your your backdrop is those gorgeous cabinets of all those all those <laughs> lovely figurines so how, yeah. how did they come about like that's it's an impressive collection yeah so ever since i was like a child all I've had for like Christmases and birthdays is Doctor Who figures <laughs> like it's just something that's always happened like all my family members because I have quite a big family like mm. all my cousins as well it's like oh what do we get Joe for Christmas we'll get him a Doctor Who figure <laughs> and then <laughs> that all just builds up and yeah. my friend's dad owns a jeweler's shop mm. and he was just gonna throw out these cabinets and I was like well what, could I have them, please? And then he he sold them to us for a very reasonable price, and mm. then yeah, that's that's how the cabinets came about. Nice little twist of fate then that they were just happening to <laughs> yeah. get rid of them. But I mean, in terms of the, f I've never really been like an overall figure guy. Like you know, I had some as a kid, as as a lot of us do. But but yeah. recently, and I don't know what it is, those B and M sets. I mean, I think for me it was the Remembrance Dalek, the Cole Hill one, because yeah. that is my favorite. Dalek library and as soon as like yeah. I saw that on social media I was like right I'm gonna get it but I'm not gonna get any more but I walked into my B&M and then it's like oh there's um the fifth doctor and his TARDIS for 12.99 oh and there's the second doctor and his TARDIS for okay well I'm... Yeah. so it's sort of the bugs bitten a bit but I know um you in the past you've had character options very kindly send you review copies yeah. if I'm right or review yeah. models of them and how does that feel sort of now being like um, the company that makes them sends them to you yeah it, it, it felt like the first time because it was back in i think may 
like I got in contact with them and then they said like oh they'll add me to the list and then they sent out this free sample and it's just sort of like well <laughs> I've been there as a child this whole time sort of dreaming about oh well I'd love to do reviews online of these products because like I was doing them anyway but mm. now I don't have to pay which is <laughs> brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I, I, again great to be upfront about it as well it's like yeah i can save i can save my money now that's the key thing <laughs> yeah yeah but um i obviously one of the biggest things on your channel this year has been the fan film the brink of destruction yeah. and again you touch on it in your rewind and i'll leave either a card or a link in the description so people can check that out but yeah. just tell us a bit about you know the process from writing it to filming it in what was 2020 the year of the year of death but um yeah, yeah just tell us about your process a little bit so i've had the idea for years because we used to do like a fan series like really really low budget like no one watched it which i don't blame them but um we always had this idea of the doctor and these characters which you see in the fan film going on this specific adventure and it had been sort of set in stone for ages and i was just waiting for a time where I actually had an audience and had the ability to create something. Because it's not like it's a professional film at all. Sure. But I wanted it to be decent. And I feel like we've reached the point, because we're all like A-level students now, mm -hmm. where we have the ability to create a half-decent product. So we just put all our time and effort into it and then gave it a go. Yeah, it's like you say, you've built up the skills. You're not just like a bunch of... 12 year olds running around with a with a flip phone going around going yeah. look i'm doing doctor who but i mean i'd say it's it's professional enough just the fact you, you got it out in 2020 i mean a year where yeah. nothing was happening i mean again you touched on it a bit in your rewind but how just how difficult was it to still be like right we're still going to film stuff despite lockdowns yeah. and social distancing guidelines and stuff like that one of the good things, because when, obviously, the first lockdown hit, we'd got the script and everything, and we were sort of ready to go. Mm. And then we were like, what, well, what are we going to do? But yeah. because a lot of it is, like, sci-fi and, like, spaceships and green screen and stuff, we could do a lot of it remotely and, like, at a social distance. Because mm. one of the first scenes in the film is us looking at Weeping Angels... And because everyone's looking at a weeping angel, we're not moving. So we could do it at a social distance, like all sort of two metres apart without it affecting the story. Yeah. So it was just sort of little workarounds in whichever way we could. No, absolutely. And and all the actors, I know you say you used to, sometimes you had green screen, like you were filming a part and stuff, but were all the actors you employed uh, friends of yours or were there some people you like brought in? Um. Yeah. Pretty much everyone is just from my, like, either sixth form or someone I used to go to school with. And yeah. we, we all just brought everyone together. Anyone who was willing to be in it, we'd, like, yeah, go for it. No, I love that, though, because I think, because I, I did similar things, not with Doctor Who, but at sixth form, you like, a bunch of mates, yeah. you go and film something. And there is just something, I think, a bit wonderful about it even though as you say it's not it's not going in any cinemas or anything like that but you're just with mates just having a good laugh and a good time it's yeah. it's good it's, it's really fun oh i yeah. bet it, it it was when i watched it i was like you can tell these guys are just having the time of their lives which i think is brilliant yeah. and uh you might be like chibnall and keep your mouth shut but are, are there plans for any any sequels any further adventures um we have a rough script and the cast are up for it the only problem is like because we have the actual A-level exams coming up, and ah. at the moment, like, without going into politics, oh, we have no. the whole, <laughs> we have the whole, like, are they doing exams, aren't they, where's this sure. going, when's another lockdown, we don't know how realistic it is, but hopefully we could put out another one by, like, probably the end or start of next year, yeah. it just depends on how much time we have. It could almost be like a new tradition of doctor who fan films every christmas now that they're doing yeah. the actual episodes on new year and um yeah. of the new year special because it's the most recently transmitted let's talk about revolution <laughs> of the daleks again joe's done a, a few videos on his channel talking about it so if you want to check those out more in depth there'll be a card either there there wherever youtube puts it these days <laughs> it's around um so yeah what did you think um, I thought it was quite good. It didn't have that hype feel to it, but I still thought it was a really solid story. Like, the mm. characters were my favourite part of it, and I thought, like, the whole departure of Ryan and Graham and having Jack back, I, I, I'd i say it was 
really solid episode. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think just the fact that Ryan and Graham left of their own accord, like it's the first yeah. time since, I want to say Martha, since a like yeah, series-long yeah, companion has left because they wanted to. Because I, I, you probably saw on Twitter as well, you know, in the build-up, everyone's like, oh, one of them's going to get killed by a Dalek or <laughs> one yeah. of them's going to die. And I think that just sort of sums up how how it's been the last few years that every companion's either died or gone yeah. to a different universe. So, yeah, was it? do you find it refreshing as well then that they just wanted to, they were like, no, yeah. I'm done. And I really liked how they tied it back to the bike scene from the first one because yeah. I, I always love it when stories or films and stuff tie it back to the beginning. And I thought it was a really nice send-off for the pair of them. Definitely. Although I must say the final... <laughs> And I might get a lot of hate for this, but it's just, the, the final like pannings, you know, the, where they pull out. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but obviously the last thing we see is Ryan falling off the bike again. And thematically, you know, I get it. It's like he can't just conquer it straight away. It's going to take time. And I like that. I like the themes. Yeah. But the, I don't know, just that set against like the rousing music and the big dramatic shot <laughs> at the time. I chuckled, but not because I found him falling off a bike funny. It just it seemed a bit of an awkward placing of elements i don't know what you thought but i just thought it was a bit yeah it was a bit off yeah I, I thought i was laughing like i was me and my sister watch do you know like the whole doctor who poop channel oh yeah, where they yeah edit it? we were waiting for graham to say <laughs> you're doing it mate and yeah. when he said it we were just like cheering in hysterics and <laughs> yeah the the emotion was sort of lost at the end because of that but it was brilliant to have that like reference in now just all out the window i love those anyone who makes like youtube poops like i don't know how they have the what the time like and how i don't know how they think up of it how do they watch something and think yeah i'll put this yeah. edit here or do this i, I couldn't yeah. do it myself but yeah. is that something you try your hand at one day doing a youtube poop or uh Possibly. I, I don't know as I'm sort of comedically minded enough to do something <laughs> like that, because there's some ones which like aren't as good as others. And there's like really funny ones. And I don't think I don't think I'd be able to reach the standard of a lot of them. So I don't know whether I'd give it a go. But who knows? That's fair. That's fair. I think you should give it a crack just to just to see, just to test the waters. But, yeah. but speak. I, I mean, I think you're really comedically inclined because you are, of course, on TikTok. And you're yeah. building a presence on TikTok, yeah. a site many people tell me to get on, but I feel again, <laughs> I feel like a boomer being like, "Oh, what's TikTok? I don't like it." But yeah. I mean, how would you say is TikTok? Not that you have to choose, but like you have, you know, YouTube, which is a very different process, obviously, and then TikTok. Yeah. Would you say it's more? Is one more fun than the other, or is it? Are they just like? How do you feel comparing the two, like different kinds of work? Um, the thing with TikTok that's nice is it's sort of instant gratification because mm. the way the algorithm works, as soon as you put out a video, they push it for like three hours and you get loads of likes in and it's okay. only a very short video. So it doesn't take too long. And it's sort of that instant gratification of, oh, a lot of people have seen this now. Whereas YouTube sort of builds up over time. Yeah. TikTok is sort of fast and like engaging straight away. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think it, it gets shared a lot more as well, because obviously I say yeah. it's shorter content. Like I'm part of a Doctor Who group on Facebook and so is my best mate. And he sent me a, a private message saying, oh, look at this meme that got posted. And it was one of your TikToks. And I was like, <laughs> I'm interviewing this guy soon. And he was like, what? So I was yeah. like, definitely making a splash on it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But, it's um, good to know. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And I mean, in terms of uh, going back to YouTube, do you envision yourself doing, as you said at the start, in 2020, you wanted to really collaborate with more people within the community, like yeah. you've done it with, uh, I believe, Time of the Whovians United. You've done yeah. it with Tharys. You appeared in Crispy's, uh, one of his yeah. videos. Uh, do you want to do more of that in 2021? Um, yeah, I'd like to. It's one of the, until like this year, I'd never really sort of spoken to anyone over the internet. And I think it's almost in part down to lockdown, but I've met so many like great people this year and formed some like proper friendships. And it's it's just been really nice over the internet and stuff. It's like it's good. It, I I think for us it's like one of the few positive things about lockdown because that I yeah. mean I I wouldn't have been able to start this podcast if it wasn't for lockdown. As you say, make those yeah. new friendships and connections yeah. and collaborate with people. It's it's honest. I, I mean, if if yeah. we had what we have now. 
like when we were kids, it would because well, I had friends in school who were like they liked Doctor Who as in what was airing, like Eccleston, yeah. Tennant, but. I was big into the classics as well from a young age, and yeah. whenever I'd bring them up, it'd be like, oh, but it, it's in black and white. It can't be very good <laughs> if it's in black and white. So, yeah, it's yeah. nice to have that community. But about yeah. being a kid, like, what's your first memory or experience of Doctor Who? We all love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> the first episode I watched, which is sort of where my YouTube channel name comes from, was Partners in Crime. That way makes back. sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my clear memory is my like older cousin was sat on the sofa and she was going, that is so unrealistic and stupid. And she was just having a go at it with like the Addy Pose jumping out the window. And I can remember just being like enthralled by it and absolutely <laughs> loving it. And everyone was just sat around saying, this is stupid. And I was just like, I love this. I mean, it's walking fat. You can't take it too seriously, really. Yeah. yeah. So series four was your, your jumping on point then? Um, Kind of, because I then sort of dipped in and out and it was sort of Matt Smith era where I really started to watch it properly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and in terms of like right now as we're recording, like so, I take it have you you've caught up on like the the revival era of who? Yeah, and um, yeah. and what's your what's your virgin on the classics? Um, there's some bits like it's it's a really weird mix because I absolutely love some episodes and some mm. runs like Tom Baker and Lala Ward as like Romana and the Doctor. That is just I think fantastic. And then, controversially, I love Peter Davison and Adric and Tegan and Nyssa. Like, that whole team, I think, yeah. is fantastic. But then, some of the, like, Hartnell stories, I, I struggle to sit through. And some of the Troughton ones. But then, John Pertwee, I really like. It's all just sort of a mixed bag. Yeah, I love John Pertwee as well. I recently, yeah. in lockdown, rewatched his um his entire era. And I don't know what it yeah. is, but in my opinion, that I don't think there's a bad Pertwee story. Like, I don't know what it is. I was like, I can't, I can't look at any of these twenty odd stories and be like, that's bad. But um, no, mm. I get what you mean though. Like, yeah, some of the Hartnell ones you could argue are a bit of a, bit of a slog to get through now. But then <laughs> yeah. that's that's what's different, isn't it? Some people love that Hartnell historical stuff. But yeah. um, so if you had to pick a, ooh, let me think. If one thing I like to ask guests is, uh, in the fandom, obviously everyone likes to share their opinion. And let's yeah. face it, there are some stories in Corners of Who that the majority of the people, in polite terms, don't like. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you may like it. Is there, is there a story like that that you see fandom has been like, this is bad, but you're like, I actually kind of love it? Um, it's one of my favourite episodes of all time, which Ooh. no one else seems to share the opinion <laughs> of, is Smile from Series 10 Ooh, with the emoji okay. bots. Yeah, and like, yeah. it's. It's not like people hate it, but it sort of gets forgotten about a lot of the time. And I just yeah. think it's, it's re I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what is it about it? Just like the uh, 12th Doctor Bill dynamic or like the story or the world? Yeah. I think a lot of it, fe it feels like a perfect blend of like mm. classic Who, new Who. And then Bill and Capaldi are my favourite, like, TARDIS team. And you get to see all their characters explored and stuff. I really like the idea and design of the emoji bots. And I just think it's a really funny concept that the one thing that would survive with humans for years and years would be emojis. And, yeah, yeah it's not the best, but I think it's a really, like, enjoyable episode. No, I love that. And, I mean, you're absolutely right. I don't think I've chatted with anyone else who, who thought Smile was up there for them so that's <laughs> yeah. that's fair enough i mean what do you think of frank cottrell boyce's um other script uh, in the forest of the night um everyone seems to hate it and i just sort of i don't mind it i don't think I it's don't great it it's <laughs> just yeah it's just sort of all right yeah i mean again this i I've, I've said this numerous times on the podcast but i'll say it again series eight is my favorite new who season yeah and a lot of people are like why it's awful but like <laughs> I love that that Capal not that I don't love him in general, but like yeah. I just love how from Matt Smith, you know, at the end you had that proper he was like optimistic, quite fairy tale in the best way. And yeah. then Capaldi at first was just the complete opposite. And I feel like that's yeah. what we needed at that time. And I, I just love it. Yeah, I love definitely. all that darker, sinister stuff. So I just yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'd agree. Capaldi's doctor, I think, in series eight especially, he's just phenomenal. Like he's so different to one of the others. It, it works really well. Yeah, I've always said it's no disrespect to any of the other any of the other actors, but 
I'd say if, if you had to let me pick, I'd say he is the best actor we've had in the role, in my opinion. Yeah, but definitely, definitely. He just takes anything and makes it like, makes it what he makes it, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, I think even a lot of Capaldi's sort of weaker scripts, mm. his performance makes it like 10 times better. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. But um, on the flip side then, so Smile's that one you're like, I like this, but everyone's like, this is awful. <laughs> Do you have one the other way where fandom's like, this is the best episode ever, and you're like, eh, it's all right? Um, I'd say, if I can say a series that a sure, lot of people sure. seem to like, I abso- I really, really dislike series two, and Ooh. The Doctor and Rose, like, <laughs> they really get on my nerves. <laughs> and I know that's a very controversial thing to say in the fandom, but... Yeah. It's, it's funny though, I've seen it more where people, as you say, like at the time, having watched it on broadcast and afterwards, people were like, you know, this is the best season, best season of the show, da 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 da. Mm. But more recently, yeah, like you say, more people are coming out being like, yeah, Rose isn't really likable at all in this series, or like that whole <laughs> dynamic just yeah. doesn't work. And I've rewatched a few episodes and I kind of get, <laughs> like, there are moments where Rose just comes across as being a bit like, this is a bit selfish. Yeah, especially in School Reunion with, like, Sarah Jane. She's just really, like, mm. Needlessly bitchy. But But then would you argue it's the same in... I always remember that scene in Series 4, you know, in um, The Stolen Earth, and they're all on the webcam, and Rose is like, oh, I'm trying to get through, and Martha (laughs) pops up, and she's like, who's she? Like, I'm like, why are you being like this? Like, there's there's (laughs) There's no no need. need. Yeah. Yeah, it's no disrespect to Billy Piper, like, it's the script she was given, but... No, yeah. I, I, I get what you mean. I just think I'll always admittedly have a bit of nostalgia glasses for series two because that, yeah. uh, that was my second series. And again, obviously, yeah. at, at the time, seeing the Daleks and Cybermen especially fight was just the coolest thing in the world. Like, you couldn't yeah. pick anything wrong yeah. with it. But in hindsight, are there moments that are a bit clunky? Yes. Do they reuse certain shots? Yes. But <laughs> that's, that's, that's by the by. But um, yeah. yeah, do you have... Um, I'm just trying to think now. Is there, I know you said, um, excuse me, Capaldi series 10 is your favourite series. Would he? Would yeah. you say he's your favourite Doctor at the present time? Or is it one of those where it changes every now and then? Um, it used to change quite a lot between like Eccleston, Capaldi and Smith. But yeah. I, I'd say over the past two years, definitely Capaldi. Like he's just, the more like we've not, like seen him for ages the more i come to love him and the more i rewatch his episodes the more i think like this man was born to play the doctor absolutely absolutely he's just uh we could i mean we're gonna gush about him all day but he is just <laughs> yeah he is just brilliant yeah. and uh, one thing i've i'm starting to ask guests this season as well is if you could only save uh out of what exists in the pantheon of who if you could only save one doctor who story what would it be Mm. That is a very. It's not an easy choice, isn't it? Yes. Um, I might go with either the Waters of Mars or the World Enough and Time and the Doctor Falls. Nice. What? Why those ones in particular? (laughs) I think the thing with Waters of Mars is it stands on its own perfectly. Like you don't need to know anything going into it, and it's still got all that emotion and like, the energy of the characters. I think that works really well. And then The Doctor Falls and World Enough in Time, I just love the dynamic of the two masters and then The Doctor regenerating and Bill and all of that. I think it's brilliant. It's absolutely wonderful. And, I mean, are you... Uh, if you've listened to any of the Big Finish stuff, I'd highly recommend the uh, the yeah. Masterful audio that came out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you listen to much Big Finish? Um, or? I've listened to a few stories, like, I really enjoyed Spare Parts, but I, I mm. haven't got, like, enough time at the moment. Like, over no, summer holidays yeah. and stuff, I enjoy listening to them, but at the moment, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I wish yeah. I could. No, it's yeah. it's just so cool. Again, I won't spoil too much for it for people listening, yeah. but I think it's known at this point, like, the opening scene of, of Masterful is just, I think it's a total of, like, seven or eight different masters in a room, wow. and, like... <laughs> You'd think, you'd be like, how on earth can you write a script like that and make it cohesive? But my God, it's it's honestly brilliant. Like hearing John mm. Sim and Michelle Gomez and Derek Jacoby and Eric mm. Roberts and just just all of them. Like it's, it's brilliant, mm. honestly. So if I could recommend any for you next time, 
definitely go with with Masterful. Yeah. It's a oh. stunning story. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. Yeah. And um, I do have to touch upon a uh, Skongo. you knew this was coming Um, for those who for those who are listening or watching who are like what on earth is scongo (laughs) fill us all in where where did that meme come from so So, like back in around april a bunch of people just started spamming my comments saying oh my god i found scongo's youtube channel and i like most people was what the hell are you who who is this what is a scongo and then I looked it up and came across like TARDIS posting and all of these Facebook groups mm. where they just created a guy for no reason and <laughs> pretended that he was this fantastic Doctor Who villain. There's a there's a video from a guy called Joe Brennan where he explains the whole thing and it's mm. it's interesting to see but really strange at the same time. <laughs> I was going to say, if you got spammed, so you're literally just reading comments that are like, look, it's Skongo, Skongo's here. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah, there's got to be plans to make like a little little Skongo tribute episode, surely. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be brilliant. That that they've, would... <laughs> they've, they've included the um, Dog 2 poop. Maybe you could get Skongo in the actual show. There like, you go. That's the next step. <laughs> George, if you're listening... There you go, Skongo, <laughs> Skongo in the next one. No, it's brilliant. I I think that's one of the positives of the fandom, though, isn't it? Just like they can make up these like random, more positive memes and just be like, yeah, we're yeah. just gonna we're just gonna riff off this. Here's this imaginary yeah. character called Skongo, and we're just yeah. gonna absolutely run with it. <laughs> yeah, they're the but, best kind of memes because they don't sort of hurt anyone or cause any like damage. They're just really fun and obscure, which I think is yeah one of the fun parts of the fandom. Absolutely, and um. One thing, I, well, I asked my guests all this in season one because at the time it was the most recent. And I think it, I'll probably ask a lot of guests in this season as well just because it's still a big talking point of the fandom. Um, the Timeless Children, everyone's favourite as I call it, um, obviously had a lot of revelations, reveals, etc. Yeah. And of course, at the time of this recording, we don't know what Chibnall has got planned. We don't know if he's going to explain it further, if he's just going to forget about it, whatever. But yeah. as the information we have currently stands, what are your thoughts on the whole Timeless Children arc saga. So initially, I went into it with like, if they do this, this will kill the show. Oh no, everything's gonna be awful. But then I watched the episode. I sat down and I thought, you know what? Sounds fun. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people sort of feel as if it takes away from the past. I don't think it does. To me, it just sort of adds a lot more story potential. And I think you, all the other Doctors still, they're equally as valid as they were before the revelation. I think mm. all it does is open up new story potential, which I think can be quite interesting. No, absolutely. Like, I think it sounds like we had pretty similar reactions on, on watching it because yeah. I thought the same. And I remember all at the, especially at the time, you know, the people saying, well, William Hartnell's not the first Doctor anymore. My brain always interpreted that as he's still the first Doctor as in the first incarnation to call himself the doctor but he may not be the first lifetime and i don't know in my head i was just like i'm cool with that well that's that's fine by me it doesn't wreck that yeah and also why have we all forgotten the war doctor why (laughs) exactly no one was complaining then (laughs) well yeah exactly and i i think the most trying to remember back to 2013 at the time and i mean correct me if you were differently but i remember when he got announced people were like oh where does this fit between eight and nine oh okay yeah, like that was quite literally it. So it's yeah. like, yeah. but now I guess people are trying to do it with Joe Martin in the whole, um, si- you know, series six B and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And <laughs> I think yeah. she's the one. I know I'm interested the most to see where she fits because whilst I'm fine with all the pre Hartnell stuff, I think because obviously she calls herself the Doctor, she's got herself a police box TARDIS. It's like, okay, where are you in this? Yeah. Especially so, uh, with, like, her costume and the fact that she uses, yeah. like, uh, karate and stuff. She feels very John Pertwee. She has, like, the frills and all of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I would like to see the season 6B thing explored. Yeah, Chris Chibnall twiddling his thumbs like, yes, <laughs> yes, finally, finally. But um, I, I don't know if you've seen that classic interview of him from the late 80s saying, I like, Doctor oh, yeah. Who's too basic now. And it's just, it's been yeah. memed so much in the, in the fandom, for better or yeah. worse, but... No, it's brilliant. But um, as well as I like talking about Doctor Who with guests like yourself, I do also like chatting about your other pop culture interests. So 
Besides Doctor Who, we'll put that to one side. Is there like a second, or just you know, what what other pop culture things are you into or franchises? Um, there's nothing as strong as Doctor Who, but like mm. I like Star Wars and like The Mandalorian, all that sort of stuff, and like Back to the Future, I'm a big fan of as well. Nice. Yeah. Did you get a chance to see um, the musical that they've recently done? Or No, not yet. It looks very interesting, though, but I haven't been able to. Yeah. Mm. I think you'll like it because um, my girlfriend worked at the um, yeah. at the theatres where it premiered in Manchester, yeah. and she said, she didn't spoil it, but obviously she was like, if you like <laughs> the films, it's very faithful, which I was like, yeah. cool, I'm happy That's with good. that. But... <laughs> yeah. So Star Wars, like, oh, this is always a fun point, isn't it? Star Wars. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, tell me about your Star Wars journey. How did how did you start out with that beast of a franchise then? Um, I'd say that was sort of my introduction to sci-fi. Before I even sort of watched Doctor Who, mm. I saw things like the Clone Wars animated series on TV. Mm. And then I went back and watched the originals and then the prequels. And um, I think when The Force Awakens came out, my love for Star Wars sort of properly kicked in again. Sure. Because I think... Like this is also an incredibly controversial opinion, but <laughs> Force Awakens is one of, if not my favourite Star Wars movie. And That's like, fair. That's fair. I, I just I didn't particularly like The Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker, but mm-hmm. I'd say Episode Seven for me is just really really good. Yeah, I think it, I know for me it changed over time because I did the midnight screening of Force Awakens yeah. and. Me and my mates marathon the six films. It was oh, it was a long day. We started at like nine a.m., finished wow. at about half ten, then went to the cinema to watch yeah. more Star Wars. And I think when we came out, we were like, "Yeah, you know, great film, one of the best, definitely, maybe the best." Um, but then as time went on, we were all like, "Yeah, this is kind of to us anyway." We were like, "Yeah, this is kind of a new hope again." But I just think now, like, there will be generations of people or fans who will look at Force Awakens and prefer it to New Hope just because it appeals more to them, yeah. which is fair enough. And The Last Jedi, I liked the themes it was going for, but I, part of me was like, if this is what we're doing, I kind of wish the whole trilogy had been like that. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem I have with The Last Jedi, is it feels like it's a great movie, but it's not a sequel to The Force Awakens. Like yeah. It sort of comes out of nowhere, and I feel like, although Luke's character is incredibly... like It's a really interesting route to take, you can't use it for comedy when, like, he throws the lightsaber behind him. Like, it just, it feels wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder, like, what were they going for with the whole yeah. lightsaber throw thing? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people complained about, oh, why have they made Luke so, like, depressing and that? But it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> when when you actually look at his character and what he's been through and stuff and what he's done, I think it would, it's interesting as well to see this yeah. normally positive, optimistic character really, I guess, down and out on the whole thing. Yeah, and definitely. Then Rise of Skywalker, I mean... <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I mean... Well, when I... I don't know. I mean, you know the whole Palpatine thing? I was like, when I heard it in the trailer, my initial reaction was, cool, they're bringing back Palpatine. About five minutes later, I was like, oh, why are they doing that? And it's yeah. not... It's... It just... I think you can tell it feels rushed. It's yeah, so definitely. cobbled together. And, like, I think... I, I, Sorry, I know I'm rambling, but I think like <laughs> I think also what would have helped, I don't know if you would agree, if all three parts of that trilogy had been directed by either the same director or they all had the same vision. Because Ryan Johnson's great, J.J. Abrams is great, but clearly they had two different things in their head and yeah. it did not <laughs> link up whatsoever. Yeah, especially I think The Rise of Skywalker, a lot of it feels like it's sort of going, we're going to change that from The Last Jedi, we're going to change that, we're going to change that. And it's like, you don't have time to change that. Just go with what's been said. Like, it all yeah. just... Yeah, it it doesn't work, in my no. opinion, anyway. And and do you think the whole raise Palpatine's granddaughter? Because, I mean, when she said that, I was like... I was like, okay, but we've seen her dad fleetingly, and mm. we've never had any movie exposure of Palpatine ever going to bed with someone should we say <laughs> yeah but um do you know what i mean i don't know i just felt like yeah. it felt very strung strung together yeah it's one of those things like i wouldn't have minded it if it was seeded in from the beginning yeah but it comes out of nowhere and there were like news reports a few months back which said jj abrams told daisy ridley halfway through shooting the film yes. right we're gonna put you as palpatine's granddaughter and it just 
doesn't work. <laughs> no, I mean, as an, I think as an actor as well, to, because obviously she would have prepared before shooting, like, right, this is how I'm going to deliver this line or this is my character. And mm. then I just think to be told halfway through, like, your whole character's mm. completely changed now. It's just... It, it doesn't... It's not nice for the actors either. Like, mm. they're, they're sort of thrown in at the deep end if they're changing it constantly throughout production. No, exactly. But, I mean, obviously we've had Mandalorian, as you say, and yeah. did you think that sort of helped fix the wounds to a degree? Are you enjoying um, it, or...? Yeah, I'd say Series 1 is incredibly mediocre for me, but then okay. Series 2, I think the ending, I'm not going to spoil it in case <laughs> anyone hasn't seen it, but the ending of, of Series 2, I thought, was one of the best endings to a TV show I've ever seen. Like, yeah. it just filled me with so much nostalgia and, like, oh, it was brilliant. No, I was the same. I think, again, I won't say it, but I think when you twig where it's going, you're like, yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> this is what yeah. we're doing. But I, I think with The Mandalorian, I, I kind of feel it's got maybe, I want it to be maybe one, two at most more series, and that, then I really want them to call time on it. It feels like one of those shows yeah. that, you know, people will look back and say it had three great seasons and they yeah, didn't make definitely. any more. Do you think it should be like that? or? Yeah, I almost, like I was discussing this with someone the other day, I almost think it should end where it is. Like, obviously you have the whole taking back Mandalore plot now, but yeah. I do kind of think it it would be remembered as this perfect little burst of Star Wars. Don't drag it on too long. Yeah, because I think, I mean, well, it's Disney, but I mean, you see that a lot in, <laughs> in any franchise, just dragging things out till... Yeah. The bitter end. But yeah, I just, I mean, I think they've already, I think they've confirmed a season three, haven't they? I think. Yeah, I think so, so. For like 2022 or something. Yeah. yeah. It just makes me kind of hope, as you say, like just after that, just call time, call time. And then, yeah. but I think the one I'm most excited for is the Obi-Wan series. Yeah, that look. Oh, I was so <laughs> excited when they announced that. And I mean, Hayden Christensen as well coming back. I yeah. was like, mate, that is, you're speaking to like my 10-year-old self who saw um, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith in the cinema. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which controversially, I get our way in the controversial opinions now, I think Revenge <laughs> of the Sith is my favourite Star Wars movie. Yeah. It's not perfect, but I don't know. I just think the story yeah. it's trying to tell yeah. is done really well for the most part. Yeah. And I think almost whilst it helps having seen one and two or the original trilogy... I've shown people Revenge of the Sith who've never seen Star Wars before. I'll give them like mm. a you know a brief bit of context, but they've not mm. seen anything. And at the end they go, yeah, that was really good. So I just, I don't know, I just yeah. think it stands really strongly on its own. Yeah, the emotions and characters in it, I think, are the best in any Star Wars film. Because you feel for everyone in that film. Like, yeah. there, there isn't a sort of Jar Jar Binks type <laughs> character running throughout it. There is a proper, like, every character you really care for. And I think that's what makes it such a good film. Yeah, and I just love how it sticks with its... Because it has a little, you know, it has a sliver of a happy ending at the end, but yeah. I kind of appreciate how long it sticks with, like, the gloomy tone. Yeah. Like, it's not afraid to be like, yeah, look, everything is going to shit. Like, yeah. It's all, yeah, it's it all just, going wrong. <laughs> it does what it wants. It doesn't Pretty have much. to, like, pander around. Yeah, it's yeah. not like, oh, we've been a bit too gloomy. We've got to have, as you say, like, we've got to have Jar Jar come in and say a funny line. It's like, no, yeah. this is this is the serious yeah. stuff so yeah. but uh, i've just thought now about like spin-offs we were saying have you seen torchwood i have i only watched that like this year mm. like before lockdown i properly got into it and i love it <laughs> i think it's really good <laughs> no that's fab i mean i've only seen children of earth on yeah. broadcast i think and then i'm making my way through series one because i think when it first broadcast i was a bit too young like my parents yeah. wouldn't let me watch it but yeah. um from someone who's seen it all do you think it i mean yeah what what, what do you think what what do you think it adds to like the pantheon of the of the universe yeah. <laughs> um without going into like spoilers and stuff <laughs> uh, as you if you've watched children of earth jack's character is so different in torchwood to doctor who because like yeah. the stuff he has to do I think Children of Earth is one of the best pieces of television I've ever watched. Absolutely. Like, series 1 and 2, complete mixed bags, and then Series 4 is kind of a flop. But I'd say Children of Earth, for me, is just absolutely unbelievable. Like, it's uh, all the characters in it as well, and the plot and the drama, it's, it's really good. No, it's, it's so, so strong. I'm glad that that was the first one I got to see on broadcast, yeah. just because it's so so good and like you say from what i've seen <laughs> yeah. of season one so far 
yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. Like, I I'm, I really like Cyberwoman. I think yeah. the only problem with Cyberwoman is the costume. But yeah. beyond that, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it, I don't understand what was going through the costume designer's head with that. <laughs> but I think if it had a more sort of creepy body horror aspect, then the yeah. episode would be really good. Yeah, it almost comes off the costume as like a sort of let's try and be sexy with the Cybermen, yeah. which is just a bit of a bizarre concept anyway. Yeah. But then, but then you've got episodes like I can't remember what it's called, but the sex gas one. Yeah, that I remember like because that's only like episode two, yeah, and I remember watching on. it and going like, right, what is what is going through Chris Chibnall's head while I'm writing this? <laughs> <laughs> but it it's still an interesting episode, and I think it's it. It's a interesting enough concept, although it is really strange. Like, yeah. I can see why you'd make a story about that. Yeah, I mean, a common criticism I've seen of it in retrospect is they're saying Torchwood is a perfect example of those shows in, like, the mid to late 2000s that were marketed as, like, adult drama. So they're like, right, here's lots of blood. Here's yeah. lots of sex. Here's lots yeah. of language. <laughs> you was Because there, there, there were moments when I was watching the first few episodes where I sort of felt like I was taken out of it because I was like, Okay, you're just swearing for no reason, or there's just a yeah. lot of blood for no reason. Did you feel like that, or? Yeah, definitely. Like some of the innuendos Jack makes, it feels like they're sort of going, "Look, we can say this because it's not a family <laughs> show. It's really cool, and it just it feels kind of cringy at points." But, yeah, yeah. And I think that was. I, I agree with you that Jack's character, I think, is so different in Torchwood than he is in Doctor Who. And I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm gutted I didn't mention it in my Revolution video, but. I almost think that in Revolution, whilst I love seeing Jack back and John Barrowman's brilliant, like as you say, when you see him in things like Torchwood, I think now when he pops up, you don't get enough of that development in Doctor Who. He was almost there as obviously yeah. as a nice callback, but it was almost like he was instantly sidelined to the Doctor, which is fair enough. The Doctor's the lead character, but I, I don't know. It would have been nice to see some of that growth from Torchwood carry yeah. over. I think one of the problems would be if you did have the growth from Tortured, although I'd love to see it, for mm. children who've only watched Jack in Doctor Who, they'd kind sure. of be like, where has this come from? <laughs> and like, why is he acting this way? Yeah, and I guess they can't say, well, kids, you can find out when you're <laughs> a few years older and watch Tortured. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. hey, we got a Gwen Cooper reference, and everyone's like, Torchwood yeah. Series 5, maybe? Yeah, maybe? hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Joe, but I kind of think... I'm, I hate saying it, but I think if the Torchwood thing was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Yeah. That's my stance. Like, as much as I'd love yeah. to see <laughs> another series, I just don't think it's going to happen. I exactly. kind of get the impression that, like... Chibnall and John Barrowman want it to happen but the audience <laughs> isn't there and the yeah. BBC wouldn't do it because as you say it's been years now it's been like almost 10 years since the last one like yeah, if it was yeah. gonna happen as you say they'd have probably done it yeah well again I mean if you want your Torchwood fix to anyone listening who doesn't know Big Finish are doing yeah. Torchwood audios and again I'd recommend some of them they're brilliant and they've actually yeah. got one coming out well it might be out by now but they've got one coming out with David Tennant in it. I don't know if you saw. Oh, I, I didn't know that. That sounds interesting. <laughs> I've tried, the plot's sort of like, I think it's focusing on Jack, Yanto, and then the Tenth Doctor pops up for some yeah. reason. So that would be a cool <laughs> one to listen to. But yeah, um, yeah I just think, I, I liked seeing though Jack, you got sort of that Jack development in Stolen Earth Journey's End, I'd argue. Yeah. Again, not too much that it, it, you can't show it to children, but yeah, I don't know. But then Revolution had so much going in, uh, like so much going <laughs> yeah. on. They could probably yeah. only um, fit certain things in. Yeah. And uh, nice to see the shouty boys back in action, as always. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. did, you like, did you like the new design, the new Dalek design? Um, yeah, I think it might actually be, like, when they've got the red lighting and the red lasers and everything, I think those might be my favourite Daleks of all Ooh. time. Because okay, yeah. I think Chibnall writes the Daleks perfectly. Because... Mm. They kill more people in Revolution of the Daleks than any Daleks throughout the entirety of the Moffat era. Which is that I think, true? Yeah, like, oh my in God. that episode alone. And I think that really says something. Like, it's in how many series did Moffat have? And then Chibnall, <laughs> I mean... in that one episode, just slaughters everyone. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen some people criticise the, um, you know, the scene where the Daleks on Leo's back and it just decides to kill him just because... And people yeah. saying, oh, that's the Dalek just being 
like too, I don't know, too evil for the sake of it. I have talked about those like, but no, that's what that is what the Daleks are. Like once yeah. they've had their use for you, they will kill you. Like exactly. When, and, <laughs> yeah. As you say, I kind of like how Chibnall's um, brought back. I think some of the scheminess to the Daleks yeah. again, rather than them just being robots who go exterminate, exterminate. Like because yeah. some of that that sixty stuff with the Daleks. They're so, like, manipulative and, like, cunning. And as you say, in the Moffat era, I think a lot of that just isn't there. They are just reduced to being, you know. A lot of it, because they are, like, a really over-the-top concept for a villain. And I I love that Chibnall sort of includes little elements of humour. Because there's that one line in Resolution that I absolutely love where the Dalek says, like, surrender gives it five seconds, maximum surrender period has expired, <laughs> yeah, then just yeah. blows them up. <laughs> like, I think it's it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it's a really yeah. nice little moment of, yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, again, like you say, that harks back to the 60s. There's, there's a line in the Daleks master plan that sadly doesn't exist on TV, but it's one of the missing episodes. Yeah. But um, I think the villain's talking to a Dalek and it says, you make your incompetence sound like an achievement. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's such a weird line but it's so funny because it's yeah. like the Daleks taking the mick out of him and I, I, I yeah I just like you say the Moffat era I I'm a, I'm a very mixed bag with the Moffat era I'm, I seem yeah. to be one of few people who think series 5 isn't all that sorry series 5 fans yeah. I, see, I hear I, you I see you <laughs> I said that in a video the other day because I don't particularly like series 5 and all Thank the comments all you. the comments were like you can't say that it's oh. the best and I, just, I don't see it. <laughs> no, I, I, it's there's, there's some great stories. Don't get me wrong, but I just the people are like, oh, it's the best thing ever. I'm like, I don't, I don't really like like Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just not. <laughs> it's not. It's, yeah. it's just I'd not. I'd say like, the eleventh hour is amazing, but mm-hmm. it it only sort of goes downhill from there, in my opinion. And like yeah. the finale, I don't think it's just sort of okay. Yeah, I think the finale would. I mean, I think partly when you like when you watch it on broadcast. I think I know I you know you're spoiled by the RTD stuff of like the big bombastic yeah. finale. So I think when I first watched it, yeah, I was a little disappointed. But that's only because it wasn't like the universe yeah. is going <laughs> to explode and there's Daleks. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, even like you say, when I watch it now, I'm like, it's clever. But yeah, yeah I, I feel like that way about the whole Matt Smith era. To be honest, no disrespect yeah. against Matt or anyone involved, but it's just. I don't know whether it was like my time of life, but there was just something that didn't quite click. It's it's weird because I think a lot of Stephen Moffat's writing, like if you've ever seen Sherlock as well, mm. some of it feels like he's trying to be too clever and he's almost patting himself on the back going yeah. like, look, <laughs> look what I've done now. And yeah. it's, it is clever, admittedly, but equally, I just, no, I don't know. <laughs> No, but well, I think it was that point in Matt Smith, certainly with series six, where friends of mine who had watched it in like the RTD era switched off because they said yeah. it's just too complex now, or I don't get it. And that's yeah. not an insult to their intelligence at all. But I think yeah. if if every if Joe Bloggs sort of people are switching off because they don't get it, then I think you've got yeah. a problem. But that's why I've I, well, I personally enjoyed Chibnall because yes, it's a bit more back to basics. It's a bit more bare compared to you know seven years of Moffat or whatever, yeah. but. I kind of like that. There are people I know who haven't watched Doctor Who in years that are now watching it again because it's accessible. I mean, yeah. regardless, I think, of what people think of the era. Would uh, would you agree with that sentiment? Or Yeah, definitely. I think, like, going back a second, one of mm. the reasons I love Series 10 is because it's a perfect blend of any newcomer can watch it because, mm. like, you've got the world through Bill's eyes, but you've still got, like, the Sim Master, Michelle Gomez. So it's a perfect blend of, like, the old, the new, and all of this stuff. And definitely Series 11, I think, is a great jumping-on point for people. But I I would argue that Series 12 kind of loses it a bit because it does go (laughs) straight back into the really complicated stuff. Yeah, I think it had a great start with reintroducing that, with, like, the master, that reveal, and all that sort of stuff. But I think as much as I enjoy parts of the Timeless Children, I agree, like, for Joe Bloggs, it's like, right, now we're going to explain... All of Gallifrey and law and rewrite it in about 20 minutes. Yeah. You're with us? Cool, right? Yeah. Let's go. And whilst, yeah. like, I guess, you know, me and you can watch it and be like, right, okay. Like, my mum and dad, I remember I watched it with them, and at the end, my dad was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. What is happening? Yeah. 
<laughs> so he's like, so yeah. is the Doctor a Time Lord? Is she not a Time Lord? It's all a bit, yeah, bit more up in the air. Would is there a favourite Jodie episode of yours that you have so far, or one that um, sticks out? I'd say either Resolution, Fugitive mm. of the Jadoon, Spyfall Part One, or Revolution of the Daleks. I'd say they're all on a equal tier of like really enticing episodes. Definitely some strong stories. What would you say to the criticism of um particularly a fugitive, which a lot of people say it's just you know, it's basically just trailer bait for stuff to come. Yeah. What do you and they and they argue that takes away. What what's your argument against that? Um I'd say it I understand where they're coming from, but the feeling of watching it live on TV I will never be taken away from me in the fact that like it's oh my god captain jack is back oh my god it's another doctor like all these things really built up and i thought even if the execution isn't great you still got a fantastic piece of television that shocks you that hypes you up especially when first watching and i think that makes it a really solid episode in itself Mm. so as you say more about your initial experience with it then rather than yeah. necessarily analysing all the bits and pieces yeah. that go with it. Yeah. And um, as a Doctor Who reviewer, I feel I, I like <laughs> it's a good question to ask, but do you think sometimes as Doctor Who reviewers, maybe we overanalyse too much? Just That's not a criticism, that's just a yeah. general question. Do you think, do you think there's a point, because like, I've seen different people's yeah. videos where I'm watching and I sort of think, we have to remember it is like a sci-fi show. <laughs> yeah. to, well, for me at least, there's a point where I can sort of, switch off my brain and be like, I'm having fun, I don't need to yeah. nitpick. Do you know what I mean? Uh, just, yeah, what's your stance on that? Yeah, I'd say, I like, it's weird, because the first time I sort of heard this was when I was speaking to my parents about Doc 2, like, years ago, and they said, like, Joe, just enjoy it. It's a TV show. And I yeah. thought, yeah, that's fair enough. But equally, I think, I don't mind it when people do go in depth, but when mm. they sort of try and say... I've gone this in depth and you have to as well is when I go, well, no, people can enjoy it for what they want and why they want to isn't sort of everyone's concern, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's almost like saying anyone who says, I don't know, Jodie's era is bad and that's a fact. It's like, well, no, it's not (laughs) a category. It's subjective, like a lot of all this is, but... No, I think that's a good stat. I like, I do get it. It's hard, isn't it, when you start reviewing because your mind goes in like that certain yeah. mode and it's hard to break out of it. But so you think you've got a good balance now. You can sort of just enjoy it, but also look at it with a semi-critical eye. Yeah, because uh, I think a lot of like episodes from series two, for example, as I touched on earlier, <laughs> I can rewatch now, but almost turn my brain off critical, and mm. I can just enjoy it for what it is. Like Love and Monsters. I have sat through with my friends and we've just like, we've really enjoyed it by laughing all the way through and joking around. And it's still a really enjoyable piece of television. But as Mm. soon as I sort of switch on the like reviewing aspect, then it just sort of falls apart. (laughs) Oh, love and mon, poor love and monsters. (laughs) Like, no, I I do get it though. Because I mean, like uh, the twin dilemma, bless it, is always cited as like the worst story. Have, Have you, have you seen the twin dilemma? Um, years back because i remember someone saying this is the worst episode and i was like right i'm gonna just give it a go and see what happens yeah i mean i'd argue it isn't not really but um yeah yeah. i I can barely remember i think i was probably too young when i watched it because i didn't i didn't enjoy it at all but then equally i can't remember anything so it probably just did go over my head because it Mm. was like years ago Oh, I'd recommend, if you can, I'd recommend a rewatch just because there are, like, the moments everyone cites for being bad, like, I get it completely, but I don't know, I watch it and I'm like, I still really enjoy the story and I like that they tried something different with this Doctor. Maybe they pushed it too far, maybe it was in a bit of a wrong direction, but it's more (laughs) like at least they were bold enough to do it, Where like, like what they did with Capaldi, really, like... I guess, you know, after three nice, well, mostly nice doctors, the idea of making him really grumpy and really, (laughs) like, on edge. But I don't know, as I said earlier, I loved it. I loved that he didn't take anyone's shit, quite frankly, because my defense (laughs) of it always was he's a 2,000-year-old being and humans are constantly making, like, the same mistakes he's warned them of. So, yeah, Yeah. of course you'd be a bit pissed off with it, I think. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a (laughs) rewatch, like, when I can get round to it, because, yeah, it'll be interesting to go back and see what, yeah. 
No, no, absolutely. It's one of I, I mean, you could. There's always something I need to rewatch. You know what I mean? I feel that a lot. It's like people <laughs> yeah. talk about a story. It's like, oh yeah, I need to give that a rewatch and a and a second chance. But yeah. is there a is there a story that is like your comfort food story? One where like you don't even have to watch it full concentration. You can sort of whack it on, do other things, or tune in haphazard. Do you know what I mean? Just something that makes you feel yeah. good by having it on. Um, I'd say probably the pilot from series 10. I know I'm going with a lot of series 10 episodes, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> I'd yeah. say the pilot or the stolen earth from series four, those yeah. two episodes I watch all the time, but like not properly sit down to rewatch. I just have them on like while yeah. I'm doing like revision or something. <laughs> and could you yeah. quote them word for word now? Do you think? So? Um, a lot of the pilot and the Doctor Falls, I just sit through and like my family are like, shut up. And I'm just there <laughs> saying all the saying different the lines. Whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Quoting the speeches. Well, yeah. as, as Series 10 is your favourite series, I think it's only fitting to touch on the middle three-parter, which I remember at the time yeah. caused a lot of waves. You know, some people loved it, some people thought it was a waste. So I think, was it, it's Extremis, Pyramid at the End of the World, and Lie of the Land. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what what do you make of that then, as it's part of your favourite season? So, initially, when I watched Extremis, I was like, what was that? <laughs> but when I went back, <laughs> I understood more so, like, oh, it's it's like the deeper levels and whatever. Pyramid at the End of the World is, I think, really, really good. Like, a lot of people see it as mediocre. I'd say it's the strongest out of the three. And then Lie of the Land... It's decent. I wouldn't say it's brilliant, but I'd say it's like it's solid. Yeah, I get I, I, some of the ideas were good. I think it was a mistake to do the whole regeneration cop out thing. Yeah, that was. I think that was the main thing that annoyed me about it because I love the ending and the whole idea of Bill's mum like coming back and helping her, but mm. the regeneration was just so like pointless. <laughs> like, why did it need to be there? Yeah, especially with how. Again, not Capaldi's fault, but just like how coyly it's played off. He's like, ah, tricked you. Like, it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, classic Moffat trailer bait there. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah it's, it is a mixed bag. I th- that's my view on it. It is a mixed bag. It's not terrible. But I mean, there's so many stories that just shine in series 10. Oxygen. Oh my God. Yeah. I rewatched that recently. That's just yeah. incredible. And um, I quite like Empress of Mars as well. Again, yeah. not perfect, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. But I mean, again, a lot of contradicts with what you said, but a lot of series two is my comfort food because, again, I think yeah. it's, nostal- it's nostalgia goggles and yeah. rose-tinted glasses. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll start to wind things down. But one thing I will ask you, just to like a sort of nice, nice big juicy question to close off on, I think, is if you were in charge of Doctor Who, yeah. just what... Not like, you have to give me a full pitch. I'm not asking you on the spot, but... Is there like have you an idea of some of the things you'd want to do with the show or some things you want to introduce, take away, etc.? Yeah. Um I've got I've actually like written out a load of stuff that I'd do if I were showrunner because oh, there was okay. the whole idea way back of Chibnall's 5-year plan. So I did yes. if I had a 5-year plan and obviously I won't go too into depth. But <laughs> what I'd like to do is have it sort of in short bursts, so 8 episodes a year. And they're all released on like iPlayer in one go. And they mm. all tell one big story, one big character arc for each of the characters. I'd have like a Doctor and two companions. And I'd bring back Omega. Because I Ooh. think he's one of the best villains from the classic series. Hasn't come back yet. And no. I'd have one of the companions like betray the Doctor and just out and out become a villain. And I think Ooh, that those are the sort of rough ideas I'd like to go with. That's really interesting. I mean, we haven't we haven't had that, have we? Where a companion's just left to become fully evil. I don't think. Well, not on TV anyway. So that'd be yeah. that'd be ace. And didn't I see in one of your series thirteen speculation videos that uh, I just remember the thumbnail said Omega in it? Is it was that you thinking yeah. they might bring him back or? Um, yeah, because in the timeless, well, technically in the timeless children, the script says this guy, this random time lord, is Omega. So, right. like, we were discussing in that video, could he potentially come back with the whole Tecteun thing if they explore that further in Series 13? And I really hope so, because I think <laughs> Chibnall is the sort of guy to bring back Omega out of the blue. Yeah. So I hope, I hope that happens. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we're already getting Sontarans and 
yeah. potentially weeping angels, but yeah. Yeah. isn't the well, thing with that people saying it might be for a game promo, that filming? But... Yeah, it, it's difficult to make out what it was actually for, but <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And just because it's popped into my head, because uh, as you can tell, I don't like to overly like structure these things because I feel it makes it a yeah. bit more rigid. I just like to ask questions on the flow. Yeah. But yeah. Um, John Bishop is our new companion. Yeah. Um, what do you think? <laughs> um, until he was announced, I would no idea who he was. But oh, like, enough, I, I've, yeah. I've watched some of his stand-up, and I think it's not for me, but mm-hmm. I think he still could play a good character. Because they've had like Matt Lucas, a household comedian, for Series mm-hmm. 10, then Bradley Walsh for Series 11 and 12, Catherine Tate in Series 4. So I think, yeah, yeah I'm optimistic, and hopefully he'll do well. <laughs> No, absolutely. I, that's why I don't get some people you see saying, oh, it'll be awful. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, one, like... he hasn't done anything. <laughs> and also, like, yeah. two, there's precedent for comedians. But um, yeah. I think my only slight gripe with it personally was I've always liked how, from the most part in its history, Doctor Who companions have been like relative unknowns in the acting world, and it yeah. sort of gives them a jump start. I'm not saying you can't have celebrity castings, but I think that was my only little thing. But I've... Yeah. I'm yeah, the opposite to you. I've seen John Bishop live. I love his sort of comedy. I mean, I lived in Liverpool for six years, so I think I'm slightly yeah. biased. I love a Scouse accent. Um, I wonder how the Americans will find a Scouse accent. But um, <laughs> no, um, as you yeah. say, hopefully he will be fantastic. Yeah. Well, we will start to wrap it up there. So, um, yeah. Joe, again, thank you so much for joining me. Um, would yeah. you like to give any of your channels or social medias a big shout out? Um, I'd just say I'm Confused Daddy Pose on pretty much every platform. So if you search that into like Instagram or Twitter, you'll find all my social medias there. And yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's been great fun today. Yeah. No, good. it's not a problem. Not a problem. And hopefully, here's to more. If you ever make a sequel fan film, I'm a budding actor yeah. with no job. Please hire me. <laughs> but no, like. Um, the next no, doctor just, right here. <laughs> what can I say? No, I, well, yeah, just I, I don't want, like, again, we don't know if she's leaving or not whilst we're recording. Yeah. I kind of don't want them to cast another white man straight away. Not yeah. saying they can't in the future, but I don't know. I just think, I don't yeah. know. It just feels feel like, like a misfire. It would almost be giving in to the not my doctor crowd. And even if <laughs> oh, that's yes. not the intention of it, I feel like they make it sound that way. And I, yeah. I don't want it to. Because it would just cause more division in the fandom. I feel yeah. like I'd love Joe Martin actually mm. to be revealed as the Fourteenth Doctor somehow. Like I think yeah. that could work quite well. And it'd really piss the NMDs off as well. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's always a positive. That's always a positive. No, absolutely. Well, as I say, guys, at the time of recording, we don't know if she's left. It's all rumor. By the time you're listening, watching, it might be fact. It might have been debunked. Whatever. So we'll just have to wait and see. But. No, again, Joe, thank you very much for coming on. And thank you to everyone for listening slash watching. If you're on YouTube, please leave this video a like and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Subscribe to Joe's channel as well for great Doctor Who content. If you're listening on one of the various streaming services, Spotify, Google, Apple, please give us a follow, subscribe on there. However it is, we've got new episodes coming out every week with some great guests. And if you want to help support the podcast and the show, you can always pledge to us on Patreon for as little as £1 a month. So there's that for you there. So, Joe... Thank you so much, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) No worries. And to all of you watching, listening, I will catch you next time in our next podcast.